Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. In today's episode, why David Moyes should leave West Ham, has Harry Kane dropped a career clanger, and when is a pony not a horse? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Now we are sitting in our respective houses today. Me in Manchester. Chris surrounded by the cattle in Norfolk. Uh, Chris is off to a netball tournament with his daughter soon. Um, Yeah, I'm not playing, Ian. No. I'm I'm not playing in the game I'm going to watch my daughter yeah, you, in a you, netball tournament you reti- you, yeah. you, just to get the, get that image out of your you mind you retired from netball last year didn't you although you are still playing badminton, badminton which is I think is a bit weird I mean anyone who plays badminton beyond the age of 17 is a bit odd now listen um, you're, you're just jealous because you're not tall enough to play badminton and nice nice to uh, hear your sound is yeah I've is got because uh, it wasn't great on Thursday so and tell us what happened with your microphone you couldn't yeah I've got it in, I've got put I've it got, in the the lead in I've, the right in the right I've hole got everything in the right hole now um so now listen I was in my local on Saturday watching the Newcastle we're trying to watch the Newcastle Forest game it's pointless it's actually pointless going to the pub to try and watch football if you want to watch football you need to stay at home because you go to the pub and it's on in the corner, but then you start to talk to people and then you're kind of under pressure to buy drinks and be sociable and things like that. So um, that, That's the real reason, is it? Well, I had to put my hand in my pocket. Um, now, listen, while I, while I was in there, while I was in there, uh, your name came up and somebody somebody said to me, oh, yeah, Chris Sutton, I once watched, I once watched a video of him having breakfast, having breakfast with a horse in his kitchen. Right, yeah. True. How dare he speak about? How dare he speak about my wife like that? <laughs> Come um, on, having breakfast with a horse in the kitchen. Is this actually true? Just yeah, we've got uh, my daughter's pony. Yeah, that's that's the way we roll in the country. No, it's we're, not. We're all in. Dogs, horses, they can all come in. You've got to try- we all we all eat together. No, did we you- all eat together? We do everything together. That's what we do in the country. You didn't really have a horse in the you kitchen. You Sydney folk haven't got a clue. Yeah, we did. Why? Was it because did, why why not? People have people have cats and dogs did it, I, in the kitchen. What what's wrong with what why why should we leave out horses? Did it use a spoon? What <laughs> did you use a spoon? Why 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 are you discriminating um against horses, Ian? Is this video out there? Oh, it must be up, is yeah, it? Yes, yes, yeah. Right. So, All right. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm gonna have a look. I uh, my daughter goes horse riding and um uh, she's only five, so she kind of just sits on the back of it and cl- clings on, really. Um, but I... That's um, what horse riding is. I've only realised recently that ponies <laughs> and horses are different things. I thought that a pony grew... I, <laughs> I thought a pony grew into a horse. 
I, I genuinely did. We've got. I, we've, I thought a pony was a. Got, I, I thought. I thought a pony was a baby horse. Nothing surprises me with you anymore. <laughs> we, we've, we've got Dom Kim King coming on, haven't we? And he's just covered. He's yeah, just just covered Tom's his face <laughs> with his hands. His, he's the horse racing expert, and uh, he's not impressed. <laughs> so I, don't, I can't be the only person who thinks that ponies grow, or you think that ponies grow. Into I wouldn't horses, boast though. about that. Anyway, question. Let's talk about football. Talk about football. Um, do we allow? Do we, are we going to allow Arsenal to celebrate today? Then or what? Well, we allowed them to celebrate last week, didn't we? Yeah, but we laughed at them a little bit, and I don't think we should laugh at them today because six nil, six nil. Even if it's at David Moyes' falling apart West Ham is a heck of a statement. We said they had to follow up their victory against Liverpool um, against West Ham. We said they had to back it up, and they backed. Yeah, it. they did, uh, and yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. There, there was. <laughs> Not little point in beating Liverpool, but they had to go again. West Ham beat them, didn't they? Um, twice, twice. Well, there you go. But uh, but beating them on the the home patch, and it was the way they did it as well. And actually, the goal difference is 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 really tight now, isn't it? I think Liverpool still have a goal advantage, but level on uh, goal difference with uh, with Manchester City. But um, yeah, pretty pretty big statement that from from Arsenal. I've got to say, I thought Declan Rice, uh, Declan Rice. Uh, you talk about celebrating. Uh, I thought he showed great class. He's had a brilliant season, um, but the way he reacted, wonderful goal that he scored. But bit of respect there. I like that, Ian. He seemed to get a little bit confused, Declan, actually, because he was. Oh, he scored. A, he didn't, I mean, he didn't absolute, look too confused when he was playing. It was an absolutely terrific performance by Declan Rice and a fabulous goal right foot shot from about 25 yards for anyone who hasn't hasn't seen it. I mean, West Ham in such disarray at that point. Arsenal players were literally queuing up on the edge of the box to take that shot. He took it and he scored. Didn't celebrate. And I must admit, I was in the press room at Aston Villa before the Villa-Man United game. And I, I'm not a huge fan of players not celebrating. So I was sitting there going, oh, look at him not celebrating. Come on, that's ridiculous. Get celebrating. And Andy Dunn, the chief sports writer of the Daily Mirror, leant across the table to me and said, Ian, you've spent all week laughing at Arsenal for over-celebrating, and now you're having a go. Now you're having a go at Declan Rice for not celebrating. I said, make your mind up. So to be fair, my neck was wound in pretty pretty swiftly after that. But what I did find quite amusing about Rice's non-celebration was he got a bit confused. He was desperately trying not to celebrate. But then he started, so he was doing that thing with his hands where he kind of, you know, as if like to calm down the delirium. But then he started patting his chest with his Arsenal badges at the same time. It was just like he was kind of desperate not to offend anybody in the stadium, not to offend the West Ham fans for celebrating, but not to offend the Arsenal fans by not seeming to care. I mean, I think maybe he's maybe a little bit overthought that one. I, I thought, I thought he got it about spot on because he was, you know, semi-excited, but he was saying to West Ham, I, I enjoyed my time there. Well done, Declan Rice. Bit of class, Ian. I like that. Yeah, there, was, there wasn't an awful lot of it coming back the other way um, from the supporters at West Ham. I was talking to someone who was there earlier. Uh, he was getting quite wound up about the fact that some West Ham fans were booing... Um, Rice, indeed, when he was substituted, the um, TV cameras showed some West Ham supporters who, who were doing an awful lot more than booing uh, Declan Rice. We don't need to explain that graphically. Um, there were applause also. I know where I stand on that, though. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty moronic not to be big enough to appreciate an academy graduate who gave you absolutely everything while he played for you, and then moved across town for 
north of a hundred million pounds to give you money to reinvest in the squad. Um, if you can't appreciate him and give him a round of applause, then you probably really shouldn't be in the stadium. Equally, you're focusing, you you're focusing around, on the morons. If, I mean, there, there, if, there, there, yeah, I there, there were a lot of West Ham fans who were, there were. Uh, showing their appreciation to Declan Rice. There were. But if you can't bring yourself to show your appreciation, then maybe just do nothing. That would be that would be my advice. Agreed. Now, um, sticking with our with West Ham fans, they were pouring out at half time. Um four nil down at that point. They were the TV cameras from a, an aerial shot showed them pouring out of the stadium, heading home. Not real fans a, pouring uh, so out at half time. We had this debate last week, didn't we? We had this debate last week because there was a similar issue with um, fans at Sheffield United and also in the away end at Brighton when Crystal Palace were getting humped there last weekend. Now, we um, started a poll on Spotify on the back of that to ask if you if you could be a true fan if you left early. That poll is actually still running. It's got about 12 hours left as we sit here on Monday morning. It's pretty tight so far. 56% say that you are not a true fan. Of course if you're you, not. If, if you leave early. Look, I, I I said last week, I think if you pay your money, you can do whatever yeah, you yeah, want. But that's, well, but, apart from abuse, yeah, definitely. You know, that's, that's just a fair weather fan, isn't it? Uh, you, you know, if you're if you're a football supporter, you support your team through thick and thin, don't you? What did Jock, Jock Steen said? Football is nothing without fans. What about, uh, I think there were, were there, I think there were Liverpool fans who were, uh, when they were three down to Milan and Istanbul, who left the stadium? I think when you look back at uh, was it Newcastle Arsenal when Arsenal were four 0 up and um, was it Czech Tioti scored that brilliant goal to get it to four four? They're the games you remember forever. Are you leaving early and support your team? Show appreciation to players at the end of the game, regardless. That's part of the journey. So the fans who left aren't proper fans, Ian. Liverpool would have left that stadium at half-time at Istanbul because he knew it would have taken him three hours to walk back into the centre of town to, having been to that stadium. Um, now, you say fair-weather fans. I'll say this to you. It's impossible to be a fair-weather fan in the current age. You know why that is? It's because it costs so much to, to go to football. So anyone who's who's willing to pay 40, 50, 60 quid and beyond to argument. go and watch a football match... You're not a fair weather fan if you're putting your hand in your that's pocket. A di- Chris, it's you're a not. different. Uh, that's could, a different I, argument, Ian. You, that's. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree about fans. It, it, you know, if they, if they pay the money, they can do what they like. But don't call yourself a true supporter of a club if you're leaving a game at halftime. That that's not what it's about. What about the West Ham fans then, who were who were celebrating in Prague? West Ham are massive. Uh, and the job that David Moyes has done uh, over the period yesterday was a was a uh, a really bad day for David Moyes. Do you know what? Maybe he deserved um, a bit more support from, from the from the thousands of fans who left the stadium. Um, now, David Moyes has called has called yesterday's uh, experience as manager of West Ham is my worst day. That is the headline on the back of the Daily Mail's print edition. And his quotes are running all across Mail Online and our digital um, platform. And I, I just want to read a couple because no, sometimes the managers sum it up better than anybody. And it's the that is the case here. A really poor day for us, said Moyes. Difficult to explain. I don't think since I've come back to the club, my team has defended that way ever. We were weak. We didn't do the jobs well enough. We didn't fight and we could have conceded 
other goals. To be a football supporter, uh, especially at this club where people know a lot more about it than I do, there's always going to be bad times. He then does make the point, it was only three months ago we were having probably the best time West Ham has ever had. The last three years have probably been as good a time as West Ham have had. Sixth, seventh in the league, semi-final of Europe, then a final of a European competition. I think the club has grown, but undoubtedly we've had a terrible day today. Perfectly put from David Moyes. Um, I have a view on on this, you won't be surprised to know. Um, Moyes is out of contract in the summer. There's a contract on the table, at least there was, um, just after Christmas, after they beat Arsenal at the Emirates, the last game they did win seven or eight games ago. It's not signed. If I was David, I think I'd go in the summer. I think I I I would go in the summer. Because you're underappreciated? I'd go with Dignity. Um. Because I think there comes a time in life and I think there comes a time in, in lots of jobs and this doesn't happen often in football. Managers usually hang around to get sacked or they move on to something or something better. I think there's a time in football where you're absolutely within your rights to have a look at your body of work, look what you've done over a period of three or four seasons and say, you know what, I've done, I'm done here. I've done what I can do here. Uh, Moyes has listed the achievements himself. I don't need to repeat them. I've done what I can do. I don't think it's going to get better. Some of the fans aren't having me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go in my head high and go on and work and, 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 and leave myself available with my reputation intact to work somewhere else. Yep. I, I totally get what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I think he's done a phenomenal job. Maybe the, the smart move would be for him to step down, as you've said, uh, and West Ham employ a manager and it's fantasy football again at West Ham. And guess what they do? Get David Moyes back for a third time to uh, to save the club from uh, from from relegation. But no, I I, I do get what you're saying. Uh, there seems to be this this I don't even think there's an underlying uh, element amongst the support, but there, there seems to be uh, a, a portion of the uh, of the support who just are not having the brand of football, and th- and that seems to be an issue. He's overachieved at West Ham, so. I get what you're saying. It'll be interesting what happens, whether this new contract, which has been so much talked about in recent times, whether he ends up signing it. But in in many respects, he's probably done all he can at West Ham, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I think one of the things that doesn't help him is is that at the moment, if you look around the Premier League, I think about this driving home from Villa last night. The Villa-Man United was a fabulous game of football yesterday. It was high tempo. It was energetic. There were chances galore. There were talented attacking players on the field, been given license to go and do what they what they do best. Um, Villa, a heck of a team, they somehow lost that game. And I think when you look around the Premier League, you see, obviously you see the top three. So you see City and you see Liverpool and you see Arsenal. But then also you look at Tottenham and the way that they play on the front foot. And you look at a team like Villa and they're on the front foot. And you even look at and you look at a team like Newcastle, despite the problems this season. And you even, to a lesser degree, look at maybe look at a team like Brighton. And I think that the quality there and that 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 kind of thunderclap football is everywhere. It's everywhere in the Premier League, but 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 it's not at West Ham because Moyes does it a different way. And that's not to say that he's wrong. People have won, people have won titles playing football like that in this country and in other countries. So it's not wrong but it's different. And I think 
if you get home from watching West Ham play kind of, you know, you know, relatively kind of defensive stroke counter-attack football and then you go home and you watch match of the day and you see Tottenham flying out the blocks and you see Newcastle flying out the blocks and Villa flying out the blocks I think that is what doesn't help the more pragmatic coaches in the Premier League such as David Moyes Yep I'd, I'd agree with everything you say and I think that's that's the way a large uh, element of the West Ham fans feel they want they want to see front foot football that they're not getting it but then you look at West Ham where they are in the table they're level on points with with Newcastle you mentioned Brighton everybody loves Brighton everybody talks Brighton up they're ahead of Brighton uh in the Premier League you add that to the yep. European journeys and, and what he's achieved they're through in the Europa League there's a lot to look forward to at uh at West Ham, but um, you know there are West Ham fans who seem to have made the mind up, and a fair few, and that's that's always going to be the case unless he changes his brand of football, and I suspect he won't. So I get what you're saying. Now, one of the one of the um, things that David Moyes did over the transfer at January window was to take Calvin Phillips on loan from Manchester City. Um, hasn't had a particularly easy start to his West Ham career. I think that's clear. Gave the ball away for a goal in within three minutes of his debut. Um, hasn't started since. Came on yesterday at 4-0. <laughs> I mean, that was a bit of a hospital pass from, from David Moyes to bring on a kind of holding defensive player at 4-0 and ask him to affect the game. However, um, Phillips was all over the Sunday newspapers yesterday. He'd, he'd, he'd spoken to Sunday journalists um at the back end of last week and spoken a lot about his difficult time at Manchester City where everybody knows he didn't play. Um, Now, I just want to recap a little bit of some of the things that Phillips said. For people who don't remember, Pep Guardiola was critical of Phillips when he came home from the World Cup in Qatar um, Christmas 2022, said publicly that he'd come come back a little bit overweight I think three pounds overweight um Phillips has spoken about that now um said that he didn't appreciate that he said that Guardiola was entitled to to to, to have that opinion but didn't appreciate the way it was put out there into public domain said that his mum came to his mum stopped coming to watch him play she was so upset um the thing about the Calvin Phillips weight thing was it wasn't the first time it, it, it happened um this hasn't been massive, massively in the public domain. I did mention it briefly in a column last year, um, but it's not massively been out there. What I do know is that it's not the first time it happened. It happened to Calvin Phillips when he came home from the, playing in the Euros in England, when England got to final against Italy in the summer of 2021. When he came back to Leeds, he was a little bit overweight because somebody at Leeds told me. Now, Marcelo Bielsa, the manager at Leeds, didn't make a, a public deal about that at the time, but it is true. Now, Guardiola and Bielsa are thick as thieves. Guardiola sees Bielsa as a bit of a mentor. They used to talk all the time when Bielsa was at Leeds. Bielsa would ring Guardiola. For example, when he got frustrated with media requirements and media engagements, he would ring Guardiola and say, do I have to do this one? And Pep would either say, no, you can give that one a swerve. Or he'd say, yes, you do. That's your Friday press conference. You absolutely have to go to that one. It's in Premier League rules, etc. So they spoke all the time. Bielsa was, was absolutely obsessive about weight. The players at Leeds under Bielsa got weighed every single day. 
I think at most Premier League clubs it'll be it'll be on a, it'll be once a week at most and not, and sometimes not that often. At Leeds it was every day, but the fact is that Phillips came back from the Euros overweight, and I can't see for one minute why Bielsa, when he sold him to Pep, wouldn't have told him about that and wouldn't have warned him. So I think that Pep was probably all over that issue from the outset. But now, but, what, but, but, it, but it just what, comes, put, you know, it, it, it's a very basic thing, isn't it? Really, it's three pounds a lot, though, Chris. It's three pounds um, a lot. Well, it it it's sort of irrelevant. If he's overweight, he's you know he he's overweight. It, it it it's it's unprofessional. It's it's unforgivable, really, for a player uh, to be overweight. You know, you 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 sign a contract. He signed a contract with Manchester City. I I just don't quite understand. Uh, players can have bad times at clubs, and you know we we sort of talk about my time at Chelsea every time we come on the pod in in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know that can happen, but you've got to give yourself the best possible chance. And I don't think he's done that. If he's overweight, he's overweight. And and, and Pep calling him out, he's called him out for for a reason. You're a professional athlete. He's being paid tens of thousands of pounds a week. And you, you sign a contract, you have to give your all. He also said, which surprised me uh, a little bit, that he'd lost his fire, for, for lost his enthusiasm the last 18 months. They're paying him an absolute fortune. So, you know, it, it, it it's okay being, you know, candid and, and honest, but there, there'll be Manchester City fans thinking, blimey, you, you, you know, you weren't all in. I thought that when you signed a contract, you signed as a player to be all in, to give your all. To make sure you're in on t- uh, training on time, to to make sure that you're conditioned as well as you can to give you the, yourself the best opportunity, and he hasn't. And it's it's the levels and, and at Leeds United, uh, I don't know what went on there, but he was you know he was a really influential player. But Manchester City's a step up, and it's all been uh, too much for him. And at this moment, he's sort of chasing his tail with regards to his career because he's gone to West Ham. He's uh, you know he he hasn't gone in. And uh, he's not he's not first pick in the West Ham midfield, so he he's he's a player. He's come out. He's been honest. He needs to get his career back on track. I think he will be first pick over time. Um, but, but if he gets himself point, fit, before we move on, a couple of things he said which did surprise me. He, he did say that he said I've lost that fire in me over the last eighteen months. I had some down moments where I, where I would be like I can't be bothered today. But- that's that's unbelievable. Let's not to be too hard on the kid. People that we know in football, I know in football, and you know, because we were talking about this last night, um, say that Calvin Phillips is a good lad with the, with, the, with the right intentions, with a good attitude. So let's just hope that he puts a difficult time. But there behind is one. Him. There, there is le- one other le- thing. Le- here, hang on, which which I do want to say. There was there was the the thing where Pep criticised him uh, about not going into training early enough. And Calvin Phillips saying that was a miscommunication. What you're referring to is when he came back yeah. from the World Cup, um, Calvin said that he thought he had a bit more time off that, than he did. He'd been given a, a, a miscommunication with the club in terms of when he was supposed to come back. So he, according to him, he came back on the day that he'd been told to come back. I think the point that you're about to make, make is this, that he'd been to a World Cup, um, done well, um, and should have fl- and should have got back to Man City, raring to go, desperate to get back, to get into that team, use the momentum of the World Cup, and turn up on the earliest day possible. A- ab- to absolutely, show you can his answer in- his all intent. my all my. Uh, you just answer for me whenever you like. But I was going to, I was going to say that. But but the point being 
is that things hadn't gone well for him uh, at Manchester City, and and sometimes I think it's good to be to be visible when things aren't going well, and sort of saying to Pep Guardiola, "Look, my attitude yeah. is absolutely bang on here. I want things to work out," and he he didn't do that. I don't I don't get that. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now, someone who is visible is Dominic King. He's been waiting patiently to come on and talk to us about um, Harry Kane and Xavi Alonso. Dom was in Germany at the weekend as Alonso's by Leverkusen beat Kane's by Munich 3-0 in the Bundesliga. Disastrous result for uh, Bayern and for Kane. The German media are going bananas about it. Um, Kane is their uh, figure of ridicule this weekend in the German media, which is a bit weird for a bloke who scored uh, 24 goals in 21 Bundesliga appearances and six in his last 28 eight. goals in total. Um, Ian, just trying to help you with your stats. Now, before we get to Dom, um, I want to say to you, Chris, um, so uh, Leverkusen are five points ahead of Bayern now in the league. Um, if Bayern were not to win the league this year, it would be the first, it would be the first time since 2012 that they haven't won the Bundesliga. I said to you at the start of this season that Kane should have stayed. You're shaking your head. You don't well, like you, you only, you only Kane should have stayed. You only top- bring up the stuff which, which you, you say, which looks like it might be a little bit true. Don't you? I mean, you. I mean, if if you if you brought up all the stuff you get wrong every week, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. But we, we obviously we we haven't got long enough. I can leave you to do that. I can leave you to do that. Um, I, I spend most of my life being told that I'm doing things wrong, both inside this house and outside. So don't need. I'm not going to bring it on myself. We've got, we've got that in common. Yeah, I am a human being after all. I mean, there's a reason that you have a horse for breakfast. Um, so. Um, I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah, I was saying. Always, we were on German football. Talk, Harry Kane. Talk of horse. You were, you were right. You all, were right about all, Harry Kane. All this talk of horse, horses at the breakfast table has fried my brain. Yeah, I said at the start of the season that Kane should have stayed at Tottenham, seen out the last year of his contract, and then he could have moved to anywhere um, possible. He could have moved to Manchester United, maybe could have moved to Liverpool, could have moved. Who knows? Manchester City might have fancied another world-class striker on a free transfer. You just don't know, do you? Instead, he went to Bayern, where admittedly, he has looked like he's been having the time of his life, scored goals, great form, embracing the lifestyle, but he went there for medals. 
And at the moment, he's in danger. At the moment, he's in danger of not getting one. Dom, you were there at the weekend, mate. You were at the game. Um, first impressions of uh, Kane and Bayern. First of all, first things first. If you think we're go- we're going to start this conversation, we're uh, talking about anything other than you saying a pony is a little horse. You must be. <laughs> you must be absolutely mad. Can can we have one more explanation, please? <laughs> You're a horse right. You're a horse racing correspondent. You're paid to know the difference between different types of horses. I'm not. I just I can't I can only repeat it. I thought ponies were little horses. I thought they grew into horses. Like so you it's like when you it's like when you were a child. That's what primary school children. So you you're a baby, then you're a toddler, then you're a then you're a child, then you're a grown up, then you're a teenager, then you're a grown up. I thought pony was one of those stages in the life cycle of a horse. I would just like to know from our Army of listeners all around the world, and not just places that, that not just countries that begin with B, as we discussed last time out. I'd like to know if anyone out there is with me on this. Did anyone else think, or does anyone else think that ponies are just baby horses? Well, listen, I, just, I can't talk about these horses anymore. I'm going to talk about the remarkable game of football that I saw on Saturday. Uh, I've written about Harry Kane this morning in terms of um, how he looked at the final whistle, and it just struck a chord with me of. Um, how he looked in Moscow when England went out to the World Cup, fi- uh, World Cup finals in, in 2018. How he looked the following year in, in Madrid when Tottenham had lost the Champions League final. He just looked absolutely bereft. Um, and I thought that it was really, really interesting that um, Thomas Muller uh, came out and gave a, a, a very, very explosive interview to, to Sky Germany um, talking about the players needing... Um, to stand up, shall we say, um, to to show to show the cojones, I think is is the word we can we can use the balls, um, and that to me just said, suggests that there's there's issues within the dressing room. Thomas Tuckle looked, and I, I'm not sure whether Thomas Tuckle has ever been um, taken in by Bayern's fans because of his, his, his Borussia Dortmund pa- past. I, I was there for his first game last year against. Um, Dortmund and he got no sort of ovation from the, from the fans when he appeared on the touchline for the first time and to me they just looked they looked for it, it seems strange to say for a, a club that's won 12 consecutive Bundesligas but they look as if they're a little bit broken at the moment Chris are we having Thomas Tuckle or Thomas Tuchel I just thought we we went with I mean John so, Dom, Dom's just been there yeah. so what we have in Tuchel or Tuchel? Maybe Tuchel is a is a like part, the German pronunciation. Yeah, okay. I, I well, know. Dom was there, so we'll let him off. Dom, the, the, so the German media were straight into Kane after this. Uh, one headline read the Kane disaster, while Bilt describes his performance as catastrophic. He's seven goals clear at the top of the Bundesliga scoring charts. I mean, that's a yeah, bit ridiculous. Yeah, that 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 that's that's ridiculously unfair to make him the. Um, to make him the reference point for what happened on Saturday, if if they're only doing that because of his his, his price tag, um, then it, it, it's it's absolutely unfair. Um, there was so many people o- o- over the pitch who were just miserable. Um, the 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 tactics that the Bayern had were confusing. They didn't really know whether they were playing a back four or a, a back three at times. Um, Upper Meccano, the, the, the central defender, was all over the place. Eric Dyer, Eric Dyer looked absolutely um, bereft of, of confidence um, and unsure. Um, and Harry Kane got no service. I think I think he touched the ball seventeen or eighteen times. 
Dom, uh, Alonso and Leverkusen are unbeaten so far this season. It was an incredible effort. Do, do you think, having watched them play a couple of times and having met Alonso a few weeks ago and, and chatted to him about the season, do you see a team and a manager that can shock Germany and shock Europe by winning the Bundesliga this year? Or are they at risk of maybe suffering the same kind of late season nerves and jitters as Arsenal did last season? Because Bayern, I would imagine, would come strong at them they would, they will pull themselves together surely and come strong towards the end of the season. What really, really struck me on 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 Saturday was when it got to two nil. Um, Leverkusen basically sat back and said to Bayern, "Come on, give it. Let, let's see what you've got." And they were brilliant. They won everything, every tackle. They they played so solid. The 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 shape was brilliant. Everybody knew what they were doing. You could see that they were so well coached. Um, everybody. Uh, just being in in a rhythm and 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 calm, calm more than anything, um, which which you wouldn't necessarily associate for a team that's going for a for a title um, into, for the first time. You might expect them to be jittery and nervous and whatnot, but they were they were absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I tell you what, anybody who thinks that um, Liverpool are um, certainties to win the Europa League needs to think again because they wouldn't want to play Bayern Leverkusen in a, in a one off game. They've, they've got everything. And they've got a really good squad to go with it. And the, the more this this run of theirs continues, and the more that Alonso is associated with this incredible season, the shorter his odds would appear to be for replacing Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. Or is that is that too simple? Because it's not exactly a crowded field for that job. Uh, <coughs> no, it's it's not it's not a, it's it's not a done deal in terms of 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 Alonso coming to Liverpool, but to me at the moment it looks so obvious the situation that it's almost it it it, it it's it's too good to be true. Um, he he ticks every box to be the next Liverpool manager, club legend, um, glittering European CV, will command respect from the dressing room as soon as he goes in. Um, the fans will be right behind him and give him every possible um, support, even through because you know things are going to change for Liverpool next year. There'll be differences in results. There'll be there won't be the consistency that you've seen this season. I don't think while while a new man's getting used to things, but the fans will give him give him every, every sort of um, time and patience that that because um, they, they, they'd want him to succeed. But I also think it's. Um, we have to remember about this. There's a, there's another club involved in this, and it's it, it, it Leverkusen. You have to have a bit of respect for what, what what's going on there. He, he's trying to achieve something remarkable. They could end up winning three trophies this year into the semi-finals of the, G- the German Cup, and the um, the favourites for that five point buffer in the Bundesliga, which you know there's still there's still fourteen games I think to go, but they're in really really good 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 position, and then ticking along nicely in Europe. So he's, his only focus at the moment is, is, is making history with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Thanks for joining us, Dom. Um, I'll let you go back to your other job now. I know you're in Ireland, heading off to some horse racing stables soon. Um, ponies, horses, all the same to me. But I hope you hope you have a good, good day. Chris, what we need to do now is play some five-a-side, mate. Are you ready to rank off? It's time for five-a-side. Now, last week, um, you uh, last week it was my turn to play this little game, and I named my best ever centre halves to play in the Premier League. There was quite a bit of chat 
um, on Sp- Spotify and Apple Podcasts in the comments sections and indeed on our social platforms on Twitter and Instagram and indeed TikTok about all that last week. And I'll come to that in a minute. But your challenge, sticking with the theme of Harry Kane in the Bundesliga, your challenge today is name me the best five British footballers to play abroad. So the best five uh, British footballers to play abroad uh, in fifth place, Paul Lambert. My old teammate at uh, Celtic went from Motherwell, as you well know, to Borussia Dortmund and had a major part in Borussia Dortmund winning the Champions League. So Paul Lambert at number five. At four, Steve McManaman. Um I think he was brilliant at uh, at Real Madrid. Excellent player he was at Liverpool. Scored a goal in the Champions League final. Won endless trophies at Real Madrid. He would be in at four. At three, I know you don't like football outside the Premier League era, but John Charles, the gentle giant, could play up front and at the back. He has to be in because he was one of the pioneers, one of the first guys to go and play abroad, went to uh, Juventus, uh, I think 1950, well, not I think, I know 1957, won three uh, Serie A titles for Juventus, wonderful footballer. My dad used to talk about John Childs uh, a lot, so he would be at three. At two, Gareth Bale has to be in there somewhere. Five Champions League titles, the score of one of the greatest ever Champions League goals, endless trophies at Real Madrid. I don't know whether he was always appreciated by the uh, by the Madrid um, fans, though, but he would be in at two. And at number one, Chris Waddle went to Marseille in the early 90s, um, Won league titles there, got got that Marseille team, brilliant team as it was in the early 90s, to a European Cup final. And more importantly, he can still go back to Marseille 30 years on from his time as a player and he doesn't have to buy a drink in the place. So that's why Chris Waddle, he was a genius of a player, used to love watching him. That's why he would be at number one. I think that's a controversial choice at number one, but I have to say really? no one who ever watched the Waddler play or indeed has met him on the circuit, he's still out there, Chris, doing a lot of good work for, for BBC and for Five Live in particular. Anyone who spent time in, in, in Waddler's company would not um, begrudge him a place at the top of that list. Do you oh, remember what the, a player he any, anyone, anyone who hasn't seen it, they need to remember that great footage of remember taking, um, receiving a throw-in and as it comes to him, just dropping his shoulder, letting the ball bounce over his shoulder, turning round and running onto it. That is a, a signature uh, waddle move. I was once playing in a press game with him when he'd have been, he'd certainly, <laughs> he'd have certainly been in his 40s. He'd have been in, I'm not sure. Do, 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 you, think, do you think he remembers you? Well, well, he always nods at me when he passes me in corridors in various football st- grounds around the country. Not sure he remembers this game, but he was playing in a in a press game, um, which often take place kind of when we are, or used to, when we were abroad before a Champions League game, the local media would challenge the British media. And you get your ringers in. You know, I remember Mickey Thomas playing once. I remember Mickey Thomas playing for a Man United team that I was in, a uh, press team that I was involved in, in France. And Waddle played, I think, in an England Lucky one. Mickey. Lucky Mickey. Lucky um, Mickey. Doing well from his cancer, Mickey, by the way. Just had another checkup. Uh, five years, I think it is now. Bless him. Clear again. Um, thrilled about that. Lovely bloke, Mickey Thomas. Um, um, yeah, Waddler, Waddler was fouled. Because um, obviously you're the ringer, then you're targeted by the opposition, aren't you? So he's fouled by some kind of 
you know, centre-half from Italian TV or something. And it was a really crude, crude foul. And Chris just got up, just gave this bloke a look of disdain, plonked the ball down 30 yards from goal, two steps back and stuck it in the, stuck it in the, stuck it in the top corner. <laughs> now, listen, we're, we're getting away from the theme here. We're getting away from the theme. So you got Waddle at number one. I loved the way you, your John Charles description it was, was um, compelling, actually. And you, you, you think about the time that he went and did it in the 50s, one of the first people to do it, what he won, playing in two, playing in two positions, um, not at the same time, playing in two positions, I think he'd have a shout to be number one. I'm just going to I'm mm. just going to read off a few that are in my head. Um, I think David Platt has got to be in the top five. Yeah, got to be in the top five. Bari, Juventus, Sampdoria, um, Keegan, Kevin Keegan, European Player of the Year while I was at Hamburg. Yeah. Although of course lo- lost, although lost the European Cup finals in Nottingham Forest while I was there. John Aldridge. One of the first non-Basque players, one of the first non-Basque players to play for Real Sociedad, forty goals in seventy-five league appearances for Sociedad. He was a roaring success over there. Gary Lineker at Barcelona, forty-two goals in hundred and three La Liga games, hat trick against Real Madrid, Copa del Rey winner, Cup winners, Cup winner. David Beckham didn't you know? Didn't win an, an enormous amount at Madrid, but also went on to play at the Galaxy in LA, PSG, Milan, certainly an ambassador for English football at the mm. time. And Mark Haitley, Mark Haitley. Yes. Taken from, Milan. taken from Portsmouth to Milan and then on to Monaco where he played under Arsene Wenger, centre forward, Mark Haley, played, played several times for England, played for Monaco under Arsene Wenger, lived at, won the French title, lived in an apartment on the Côte d'Azur with Ayrton Senna next door and Boris Becker in the apartment below. And apparently Senna used to join in in their, in their Haley's five-a-side games that he used to have in the neighbourhood. So I think Haley gets, must be, Haley must be in the top five. What a block that was, yeah. Haley must be in the top five for lifestyle, lifestyle choices Mm. as much as anything else. So you you left out Glenn Hoddle and I'm really surprised. So did you, it's your top five. Yeah, but, but you're just mentioning names and you're probably going to, you're probably going to regret not mentioning Graham Souness. I thought because about you're Siri. terrified of him. I thought I, I thought about I thought about Suey. Do you want to get mean, Do you want to crowbar him in now? So just in case if you no, see no, him, no, no, no. no you so he's, he wasn't not he wasn't even in your thoughts. I'm comfortable. As one of the best Brits. Of I'm com- Well, no? f- first of all, it's not my list. It's your list. Okay. So if no, Sui- but you haven't even name checked so him. If Suey's Sui- got a problem, he can bring it to your door. Okay, not mine. It was your list, not mine. I'm just going through a few others that came to my mind while I was driving back from Villa last night. Anyway, there you go. It's a good debate. Top five British players um, uh, to play abroad. Let us know what you think. There are several ways that you can do that. Um, a lot of you have been very keen to join in on Twitter, which is great. Like I say, you can do it on Instagram and TikTok as well. You can also go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave it and leave your list in the comment section or let us know what you think about ours. While you're there, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. It will mean it lands on your device every Monday afternoon and every Thursday afternoon when we do the weekend preview show. You won't even have to go and look for it. And also, the more subscribers we get, it helps us too. So please have a think about that. Now, last week's responses were interesting. Like I say, it was my turn last week. We did top five um, centre-halves of the Premier League uh, era and 
that was a, a a very difficult one. Some very, very good players left out. Um, the Mad Bumble on Twitter, even Wes Morgan has the same amount of Premier League trophies as Virgil van Dijk. He was in my list last week. Plenty, oh, plenty of better centre-backs and forgotten gems. Sol Campbell, Jonathan Woodgate, Woodgate, Ledley King, Martin Keown, all never mentioned. Uh, Matt Law from the Daily Telegraph was quick to mention to me that I hadn't mentioned Paul McGrath, brilliant centre-half for Aston Villa and Manchester United, of course. And Paul Cramping on Twitter. I'm not seeing much mention of Colo Torre. Went the whole season unbeaten with Arsenal, which kind of makes him pretty good. Um... There we go. Um, we have had some feedback generally about the pod in the last couple of weeks, which has um, pleased me. Uh, I was talking last week about some of the places around the world that people are listening from. Um, Ayano on Spotify got in touch to say, you've got listeners in Kenya as well. So yes, Chris, not only countries beginning with B. Uh, Joe Maloney on Twitter. If Chris wants to know what I was listening from, Ian, tell him I was in the kitchen after my Friday night pizza. Quick poll. Let's do a quick poll, Chris. Uh, we can put this on Spotify. You love a, you love a poll. You love a poll. We're going to put this on Spotify. So go and uh, vote in this one in the show notes beneath the episode. Who's going to win the title? And I'm not just going to say who's going to win the title in terms of which team. I'm going to say Man City or somebody else. I know my answer. My answer is Man City. What a, what a poll. I think, Man City will win. I think Man City will win the league. Yeah. Man City or yep. somebody else. What do you think? Yep. Hmm? Yep, Man City. You were at Anfield on Saturday. Not overly, not overly impressed. Um, well, impressed that Liverpool won, but uh, I, I tell, I tell you, Burnley actually impressed me. Yeah, strangely enough, not so much the go- not so much the goalkeeper. Uh, no, uh, a few issues. Um, they're actually a bit more direct, uh, Burnley, from when I last saw them. A bit more pragmatic. Had some big chances in the second half. I don't know if you saw the highlights. Um, Fafana went went through on a couple of occasions and uh, and missed, but Liverpool got over the line. It's, it's just such a contrast to when I saw Liverpool demolish Chelsea four um, one. The a performance of real intensity, class. You thought, here we go, they're going to beat Arsenal at the weekend. They didn't, but getting back on track was important against Burnley, and and uh, and they did that. They huffed and puffed a bit, and your man scored a decent header. Love the little goal from Darling Darwin. Don't you think? Lovely yeah. little, neat little kind of leaning back head. I like that one. Do you think? You'll, do you think in years to come you'll ever play in a in a press game with Darwin Nunes? Do you think he'll ever be on your team? My football boots have been in the kit have been in the kitchen cupboard for about ten years, and there's a reason for that. That is where that is where they will be staying. Mate. What it's boots where, have you got? That's where they will be staying. What, what boots have you got? <laughs> I, I bet I can guess. I bet I bet I can guess which boots you've got. Come on. Adidas. No Nike, actually. I was always a Nike boy. I was always a, always a <laughs> Nike boy. I used to have a Nike ring, you know. <laughs> I used to have a Nike that ring. That's, uh, that sums you up. I used to have Nike boots. Wait, wait, were your boots coloured? They're you... not pink or anything. Oh, absolutely not. Black, no, black and white. Black and white. But you're missing what I'm saying. I used to have a Nike ring. It was, it was a knockoff Nike ring bought for me by an ex-girlfriend at a market store in India. I wore it for about three years <laughs> in my 20s. What? So a, Ni- a Nike ring? Yeah, on my finger, yeah. yeah. Strange guy. But look, I used to have a ponytail as well. So, you know, we all make mistakes, Chris. We all make mistakes. A Nike ring. Dear me, you're a weird little fella, aren't you? Now, quickly, moments of the weekend. You first on me first, I don't mind. Go on, you go, you go, you go, you go. My, uh, well, my moment of the week was on the, uh, from you from Thursday's pod. I mean, I th- I've always thought you're a highly... Uh, 
intelligent guy and you know a lot about a lot of things, but you know travel expert you know geography expert <laughs> go on you're not you're not going to be hosting a travel pod in the near future i, I mean you didn't you knew you knew one country beginning with b no, I didn't. and i uh, yes you did you knew one country beginning with b and i asked my 12 year old daughter last night listen to this Right, this is my 12-year-old daughter, okay? Ian Ladyman, uh, disgracefully, only got one country in the world beginning with B. Sophia, how many countries do you know beginning with B? Go! Brazil, Bolivia, Bulgaria, Bulgaria, no, I've got it. Wait, what? Belgium, that's is the that one. It? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Fancy, I mean, fancy, I mean, fancy, a 12-year-old. Fancy, a 12-year-old. Fancy using your 12-year-old as a stick to beat me with. Seriously. I mean, not only is that... <laughs> that is, not only, you, but, but hang on a minute. How many countries have you been to? Not only, You've travelled around the world. I mean, do you open your eyes when you when you get off a plane? What what happens? Do you do you just stumble your way, bumble your way through a day? <laughs> not, not only is that 12-year-old girl got to share her breakfast table with all your horses. She's now been used as a stooge to humiliate me. Which, you know, I don't mind what you say about me, but don't get her involved. That's just mean. Don't get her involved. Belgium. Right. My, Belgium. My the only moment. country. <laughs> I just didn't think, so you've lured me in now on your hook, I didn't necessarily think last Thursday that reeling off a list of countries beginning with B would particularly make for great podcast, podcast content. Forgive me for that. I thought we were here to talk about football. My moment of the weekend, my moment of the weekend, you threw Chris Wilder and his sandwich at me last last weekend. So I'm going to come back with you, going to come back to you with Chris Wilder and his six-pint journey home from London on Saturday. For anybody who watched Match of the Day, Chris Wilder, who's Sheffield United team, seemed to play pretty well in beating Luton uh, uh, 3-1. Um, uh, so driving home from... Bedfordshire, sorry, not Luton, um, but played very well. And there were two, there were two crappy handballs in that game. Both teams got a penalty from one of those silly handballs that that aren't handballs, but these days are handballs. And afterwards, Chris was asked for his view on it, and he said, "I don't understand it." He said, "I might have a better a better understanding of it when I get home. By the time I've had six pints, that was that was what he said." And I think <laughs> he's absolutely right. I think all of us probably got as much chance of understanding the current handball law um, six pints into a Saturday night uh, session. Um, and one more, by the way, I've just actually been sent this. This is from our. Um, verdict pull out this morning and again this is also on our all our mail sport digital platforms Coventry beat Millwall 2-1 in a pretty big game in the championship yesterday Mark Robbins continues to do a brilliant job at um, at Coventry and their winning goal came from a penalty and was preceded by the sight of two Coventry players Hadji Wright and Callum O'Hare playing a game of rock, paper and scissors. Is that what we call it? Paper, scissors, stone, I used to call it. Paper, scissors, stone. But you know the thing, don't you? you right, know what? That, that, I, think, I think that's the, that's the northern... Yeah, so that's what, the, that's paper, what right... Paper, and I've o- never heard that, paper, paper, scissors, stone. I've never heard that. So that's what O'Hare, that's what they say in Belgium and, and Brazil <laughs> and, and, and Belize and, Boliv- and Bolivia. And other places, Good. beginning with B, Belgrade, mm-hmm. which is a city. Um, there's, there's a- 
<laughs> I think we should just end it now. Anyway, so Adji Wright, Callum O'Hare, paper, scissors, stone to decide which of them took a penalty. Regular penalty taker, Matty Godden, was on the bench. Anyway, right. What right. if they kept drawing? Hmm? What if they kept drawing at it? Well, keep on, on and on. I mean, it would be, look, I mean, look, you add time on for anything these days. You might as well add time on for that. And if I'm going to have to watch five minutes more football than I wanted to when I turn up on Saturday afternoon, I might as well watch it. I might as well do it having yeah. having witnessed two players playing paper, yeah. scissors, stone. Um, Cause, cause you, yeah, because then you can you can commentate on that, can't you? You can say, guys, should, should have gone stone there. Anyway, right, exactly. Anyway, right, anyway, yeah, we went, oh, he went scissors last time. He's obviously not been studying him. Obviously not been studying his form. <laughs> oh, he always goes scissors. Why has he gone stone? He always goes scissors. Um, anyway, but there you go. Coventry won the game. Wright scored the penalty. Coventry won the game 2-1. Mark Robbins afterwards said, um, I'm going to kill them. That's something I will sort out. And having met and interviewed Mark Robbins and know how seriously he takes his job at Coventry, I would imagine he might be good to his word. Right, that's it. We're done. Um, thanks for being I'm with off us. off to netball. Thank you. Off to netball. Um, now look, behave yourself on the touchline. I don't want, you're not one of those yeah. fathers who's going to be kind of haranguing the, haranguing the umpire. Um, you know, running onto the pitch and you know, pointing at your watch and all the rest of it. You're just going to stand there. It's not a pitch. The court. It's netball. It's court. Yeah. Right. I think that's as good a place as any to leave it, mate. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks for listening. Please go to our social platforms or to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Vote in our polls. Leave some comments. Remember to subscribe uh, while you're there. For those of you with an interest in the Chelsea Crystal Palace game at Selhurst Park this evening, you can follow all the action from that on our mail online uh, live feed. Um, We'll be back on Thursday for It's All Kicking Off weekend preview show. Um, I'm Ian Laderman. The chap with a horse in his kitchen is Chris Sutton, and this has been It's All Kicking Off. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 